Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. Welcome back into another episode of One of These Years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. And uh, Nick, when's uh, does daycare shut down for the holidays here at some point? When's yeah, um, I think actually like I got another week though. I think oh, like next oh, week. All right. I think uh, I think we go pretty tight to the uh, Christmas holiday because I go we we take them to the Jewish center, so we have other holidays that we have yeah, right, <laughs> that we right. have off, but like they do also. Take holidays off for Christmas, but I think we actually have some more time. So, fingers crossed. I could be wrong, though. Now that you're making me worry, Chris, kids are probably coming home tomorrow. I'm not ready, but yeah. I mean, I know school for us is out. Uh, Friday's the last day, and then we have two days of daycare next week, and then we got two weeks where everyone's here all the time. So, looking forward to that. Uh, Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's that time of year. I told Brendan yesterday when we were on the podcast, it's that time of year... Every year that I feel like everyone has gotten to where they're like, I don't give a shit about anything anymore for the rest of the year, and you can call me in January. Like, that's what I feel like I'm yeah. getting from a lot of people right now. Maybe even the Lions to a degree, but we can get into that. We can yeah, get I was into that say, today. That here. sounds pretty familiar. Uh, yeah, before right. we did get into that, just like a quick, more serious note, because I saw you tweet about, um, you know, the the tornado, all the damage that, you know, you spent some time in in Bowling Green, Kentucky. You tweeted out a GoFundMe link um, for this, one of the school, uh, public school system down there. So if you head over to Nick's uh, Twitter account, I retweeted it too, but at Nick Baumgartner, you can find the link to the GoFundMe there. Um, Help out. You had a big tornado down there and it's uh, the link that I tweeted is, it's for uh, Warren County schools in Bowling Green set it up, um, but it goes to all families impacted. So, Really, really bad uh, tornado and horrible, horrible damage down there. Uh, a lot of folks that I still know, um, like I said, I met my wife down there. Um, neither of us are from there, but I, we both kind of feel like it's our adopted home and still know a lot of folks down there that are going through it. So, um, yeah, head over to my Twitter account. I tweeted that out if you want to check that out and consider sending a couple bucks. So I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So back on the lions i guess yes i guess we should shift back and like you said it feels like a little bit uh people in general may be checking out for the year and i'm <laughs> i don't think the lions have done that but you know no. circumstances have yeah. made things a little difficult here uh they had uh seven practice squad players up for Sunday's game, they have six guys, six active roster guys on the COVID list, and I think two more practice squad guys on the COVID list. So they had an outbreak there. Everyone had the flu last week. They barely made it through. Uh, there were 12 guys questionable for the game with illness. A couple of them suited up, like Jamar Jefferson didn't play at all because he was still feeling it a little bit. Yeah, right. And the Lions hung in there for a half and then predictably got clobbered in the second half and lost by 28. And Right. I don't know. Who cares? No, no, Does not anyone care? Does it matter? Yeah, right. I, I guess that was like well, the hey, thing. The draft stock or the draft right, position right. was preserved for another day. You move forward and you go on. You got a couple more games left to get through that. But I'm telling you, the Jags are not making it easy. And the Texans are not making it easy. They're not going away. So, like, 
jets either. So this is still high monitoring time for yeah. where is this pick going to land? And that was what I was thinking as the game was going on because, you know, early on it starts out and you're like, okay, well, they're just not going to have enough, you know, gas to do this. And then they kind of, I think they scored really quick and it was like, oh, well, I mean, maybe Denver's just going to like lazy through this. And then you start thinking about the draft and you're like, this would be a weird thing if they lose, <laughs> if they lose their draft. But yeah. it's that weird stretch of year, right, where it's like you can still get improvement from a lot of guys in certain specific areas, but also like, you know, Jacobs gets hurt. You're getting guys hurt again, still guys have COVID guys are sick. Like, uh, this is the type, this is the time of year for anyone who's rebuilding where you're like, man, I wish the season was 10 games long. You know, (laughs) or it's just like, this is like, now you got an extra one this year. Uh, Right. Yeah. Right. And the Rams looked, uh, the Rams looked pretty damn good on Monday Mm -hmm. night too. So you worry about that pick shooting back up now. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that was sort of what I wanted to get into because, right. It was in my head, and I mentioned it to you Sunday as I was trying to figure out what to write. And then someone asked Dan Campbell uh, during Monday's press conference, you know, like, what are you still playing for at this point? Um, And I've had people on Twitter, especially in light of the news that Jerry Jacobs now is going to be out for nine nine months, saying, well, maybe they should, like, maybe you sit, Sewell's been banged up. Maybe you just sit him down for the year. You put Swift Mm -hmm. on IR, like, stop trying to get him to come back. I, I mean, are they at a point here where they should be. Considering some of that stuff, what is other than pride? And Dan Campbell, I think, said like, yeah, know, the, the the line of like, you know, you find out which guys really love football or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, playing sure. down the stretch here. Other than those sort of things, I don't know. Would you consider shutting guys down? Like, what are they? What I what's think, the goal here for the next four weeks? Yeah, I saw that question yesterday. Somebody put it on Twitter, and it was the first time I really thought about it was Sewell, and it. My initial reaction was like, well, good luck getting Sewell off the field, okay? Like, you're going to have to get, like, a truck out there to drag the guy off the field. He's not going to want to leave the field, okay? Like, that's number one. He's going to want to play the whole season. I think that's how he's wired. And if you're telling him – I think what you tell him is give us what you can. But obviously, if it's going to get to a point where, like, this is going to do damage and it's going to be something where we think we have to do, you know, whatever, then yes, I would say that – you need to then make the adult decision probably to limit if he needs rest, whatever, then that's that. But if it's something where, you know, it's just a thing that he's got to grind through and he wants to grind through it and it's not going to be anything that's overly severe, then I would say let him grind through it because, like, you can see how he plays. And, you know, he had a terrific game against Denver. Uh, I think PFF had him graded uh, one of the highest tackles in the in, – in football, right? I think overall the uh, highest this week, the highest in the the week. So you can see, and you saw after they got the win, right? Like how important these games mean to him, how much all this means to him. Like this is like, this is like foundation building time in some ways for Penny Sewell. Like I don't want to just go all the way and be like, shut that guy down. I don't want him on the, you know, like, I don't think if a guy is hurt, if a guy's like, like if Anzarike or somebody has got like a knee or something bothered, yes, shut him down. But if it's like a tweak here or there, and it's a guy like that, that can still, sort of give you something and you and like Campbell says you really find out who's willing to stretch and grind here like I kind of I kind of would want to see that right now don't you think like I I, I would kind of want to I wouldn't want to put anyone in risk of further injury but I would want to see who's able to grind through a season right like I I think that you can still learn things about guys right now am I wrong what do you think on this because there's a yeah. pretty fine line with that Sewell was pretty banged <laughs> right. up at the end of that game yeah. but it's like you know like but you you admire how much it means to him, and if you're the Lions, you probably like want 
you want him on the field. You want him to see. You want him to keep growing, right? So, like, yeah, it's a tough call. Yeah, I mean, he's been banged up for a few weeks now. He hurt that shoulder in Cleveland or Pittsburgh, one of those games after yeah. the bye, and has been dealing with it. And I think that's what happened. I don't know that the broadcast on Fox ever really touched on. No, no they never injured. got back to it. Yeah, right. <laughs> like there was a moment there where I was worried he was like. They yeah, had they the fumble by home. the goal line, and <laughs> right. he stayed down, and a couple of the other linemen were, like, doing the thing where you're kind of frantically mm-hmm. waving for the trainers, and it's like, oh, yeah. God, this is terrible. <laughs> this is bad, because it would look like that's what happened when Jacobs got hurt. Josh exactly. Wick was there, like, get, you got to get out here. Hurry up. It's like, yeah. oh, it's something. This is bad for Sewell. And then, you know, I think, like, I'm just guessing, and I tweeted it out. Like, I think he tried to dive on that fumble and kind of got his shoulder, that bad shoulder pinned underneath and was just like really feeling it for a second. But at the end of the game, yeah, he they ran that two-minute drill for no reason with their starters on the field (laughs) down by 28. And at the end of that play, he he, like took his helmet off, dropped it to the ground, crouched down, and just like sat there by himself while everyone else was, you know, doing their post-game handshakes because he was just totally spent. And so I think – It's getting better. His specific case, I think you know the motor's running there. He's always going. He's always, you know, that guy who's bringing energy. I think it is important for him. I think one of the things for him is, and a lot of these young guys really, is if you can play 17 games, let's go play 17 games because you've never played 17 before. And he didn't play last year. So let's push this because we're going to need you when this is good, in theory, we're going to need you on January 10th or whatever. Uh, and so let's see. So I think that that is part of it. I agree with you there. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess part of it is who do you even shut down at this point? Like, who are you saving? I mean, like if Anzalone's exactly. right. bang, if Anzalone's really, really hurting with that ankle, maybe he doesn't come back, but he's about to be a free agent and potentially. So I would think he'd want mm-hmm. to get back like Swift. I wouldn't rush Swift. Back. No, he's the one I wouldn't, I wouldn't. That's back. it. And like Hawkinson, yeah. I wouldn't rush Hawkinson back. Yeah. He's probably fine to sit too. Those you would know, probably be the two. Swift for sure. Like, yeah, no, there's no way Swift's coming back. There's I no don't reason. Even know, for like if Michael Brockers comes to you, it's like, I don't want to play one game. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's fine. Give him a day yeah. off. But. Like if Vitae would be another one, like if Vitae came and said, Hey sure. man, like I'm banged up. I'd be like, okay, man, you, had a pretty good year. We can talk about some things, you know, but if yeah. like you can't give any more here and it's week 16 and you're done, okay. Like that's one where I would say like I get that part. I don't think that would happen though because he's had, you know, he's right. another one where he's had a year where maybe his money situation suddenly, you know, obviously you're not going to pay him big tackle money, but he's been a big help for Sewell and he's been a yep. big help for the offensive line and he's one where maybe you look, you're looking at him differently now and whatever that looks like. But if he were to be someone that came to you and said, you know, I'd, I'd want to shut it down. But even someone like Jonah Jackson, I'd be like, man, I'd like to see you finish the year. If like all things are equal, and if you're not going to be in a situation where, you know, you're going to get hurt or whatever, but I'd like to see you put 17 games on your sheet here this year. You grinded through the whole thing with Sewell. You did it together. And then next year you come back. You know what I mean? Like those are, these are times when, like you said, those are important moments I think for players, not necessarily for teams, maybe for teams, but for Sewell to finish a game hurt on the road to feel like what it's like, you know, you lost whatever, but you put your work in and you finish the game. Like, I think that those are important for kids of that age, you know, as they're kind of coming up and the Lions have a lot of them. So I, I understand that wanting to shut some guys down, but I also, I don't, I wouldn't want to shut some guys down in some cases. I would want them to keep playing, you know, in most cases I would think at this point. 
Yeah, I would say maybe you could expand the rotations a little bit if you maybe. wanted to. Do, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. But even that, like, I don't know that you're going to swap in Matt Nelson. Although he's yeah, like, and I would also like. <laughs> argue. I would also argue, like, I'd want to get, I'd want to get Godwin and Reynolds. Yeah. more carries behind you know some of the good linemen too, right? Like, I'd like to right. see more of what they can do, right? Not to cut you off, but yeah, like, the, I'd like to see more. Like, you can see maybe, maybe you see more from some of these guys in some of these spots, but you got to keep the best of what you have left out there around them. Otherwise, you know, is that look even worth it? I, I, I start to wonder. So uh, Goff, I kind of asked Goff this after the game and someone else asked him a similar question, but is there stuff other than just sort of these individual, you know, just measuring sticks, seeing how guys respond to these situations, seeing how they finish out the year. Can you, do you think you can carry stuff over year to year? Like the run game, has been working pretty well. That was what I actually asked. Yeah. Like the run game's been working pretty well. Does that hold mm-hmm. up from this year into April when you come back? Or is there too much that changes over the next four months for any of this? Anything you build momentum on now to still have meaning, you know, when it gets yeah. back to going again. And and I don't know, because I think it's imp- I think that's part of the hope, right? That you oh, yeah. do some good things now. And then when you come back, you say, all right, well, we already we're in pretty good yeah. shape there. We don't have to worry about that. Well, like we talked about it, and we're here now, it's December, like your hope at the beginning of the year, and you know, in August, was that, and this was of course before Ragnow got hurt, and Decker, um, but your hope was that you had an offensive line and a run game that you could reasonably look at uh, in December and say, by the time the season starts next year, if all things are, you know, relatively in in the same spot, we will have a good run game and a good offensive line, and I think that if you look at them right now, and you put Ragnow in, and you put a healthy Swift in and a healthy Williams in, that on September 1st of next year, if they keep Decker and go through the whole thing, and everyone's healthy, that's going to be one of the top run games, I would think, in the league. It's going to be one of the top offensive line, you know, in terms of, like, personnel, right? I don't know about in terms of execution, we'll have to see what they do, but in terms of guys that you're like, whoa, they've got some guys, it's going to be there. I'm telling you, people are going to look at it different. It's not going to be like, well, the Lions have absolutely nothing. They're a complete trash heap. It'll be, they don't have a lot, but they have that, you know, like, and I think that we can reasonably say that. I do yeah. think we can say that. If all those guys are healthy, Sewell has been right there with Slater as one of the best, and Mac Jones as one of the best offensive rookies in the NFL, right? I think that, I think we can say that with full confidence at this point in the year. He's been terrific. Uh, how many games has it been now? 13, 14, whatever it's been. Yeah, 13. He's been yeah. a very good player all year long. A terrific rookie season for him with with injuries, with adversity, all this other stuff. Jonah Jackson has had a terrific year, I think. Vita has been better than we both thought he would be. We know Frank is good. We know Decker's good. We've seen the full Swift experience, what that can be like. We've seen what Jamal Williams can give them. So we've seen all these things. And if you go into next year with all these guys healthy, you have a real run game. I think you do. And that's why the that's why the quarterback stuff gets really intense as you look at that because I think that you can start to hang your head on a couple things and I think if you flip it to the other side if you keep grinding with some of these defensive tackles you could go into next season depending on what you do in the draft and say we really like our front seven so I think that there are some things that you can go into momentum wise not everything not as much as you probably would have liked right but like there's some things I think I I would ask you the same like are there areas on this team that you're looking at and saying I'm going to look at that differently next year in May than I did last year, you know, when we went out there in May. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit on the big one, which is 
And I think we knew the run game had a chance to be good. Like that yeah, was the that thing. was the one where we were like, it has to be. Right. Think, right? We, yeah. They got the running backs. They've got some guys up front. If Sewell's what they yeah. think he can be, like this is going to be a pretty decent run game. And mm-hmm. I think that's all played out. And, you know, Craig Reynolds went in there. And if they hadn't gotten behind, I think would have rushed for 100 yards. And Igor yep. Bouquet's, he had the fumble, but he's produced when he's been yep. out there. Um, you know, we haven't seen Jefferson a whole lot, but I think there's been, you know, he's had one or two. Runs. If you can get off the COVID list, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was one of those flu guys last week. I thought it was going to be one of his bigger games. They went with mm-hmm. Reynolds. Um, and certainly Reynolds probably deserved a shot. I mean, he was Absolutely. one. He, yeah. he was great in the preseason when they brought him in. Like, he had that story where, was it the Colts oh, preseason yeah. game? He in showed the up like <laughs> nobody'd ever met him until he got in the huddle. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then... And he then he had a himself. great game and like yeah. <laughs> made his one one a job on the practice squad and now he's been there and they've been talking uh-huh. about him for three yeah, four months now yeah. like we right. this when he gets in there he's going to do some stuff and so mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot of him down the stretch but that's sort of the point right like they've been able to put guys in here that it, we know it yeah. can work with Swift and we know to some degree it can work with Jamal Williams but when you're putting Craig Reynolds in there and springing a 35-yard run on a yeah, decent yeah. defense yeah that's a good sign for you and i think that that yeah like that's the one for me that um that run game is i mean i think it's got a chance to be pretty special moving forward and i think again we knew that but I, and i wrote about it this week because i think you know, yards per carry, they're top 10 in the league. But the yeah. big one that I looked at was yards before contact. They are fifth right. in the league right now, which right. tells That's you the that money right there, man. the That's line it. is moving people and the scheme is working. Yep. And those things, regardless of who's in the backfield, should work. And that's why you hear a lot of teams. Like, obviously, they have Swift, who's sort of who's got a chance to be a premier player. But those are the things. If you have those things in place, those are the teams that just do what the lines are doing and pick up random guys and throw them back. Then you're like, well, how the hell did that guy rush for a hundred yards? And it's exactly. because the scheme works and the line's good. And I think that those things are in place. We don't, I mean, I guess we'll have to see about Vitae, whether he's around and maybe I, maybe I'll ask you that right now. Like, do you, what do you think about him? Cause I know he and Sewell have a good relationship. He's helped him a lot. He's played really well this year, but he's also Whatever his cap hit is next year, I gotta look now. Yeah. It's over ten million. Um, it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, it needs to change, right? Like, I think that. I guess it's, not, talk- it's eight eight point four million next year. It's ten point four this year. Yeah. so it's we, it's big still. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, I think, or the day before, maybe even. But like, and we, maybe even in the last couple of weeks. But so I think that if you were if you could find, he's getting tackle money, so you can't pay him tackle money. Um, obviously he's been paid a fortune here the last two years. I don't know what the whole thing would be, but I think if you could go to him and be like, we want to redo something with you, uh, for two years and we want you to be here and work with, you know, uh, Panay and Frank and all the guys. And then you do that, you re up him, you put him as a guard and then you draft his replacement and you help him, you know, he helps develop that guy too. That to me feels like a win-win all the way around for everybody. I don't know if you make that work, but that's something where I would I would consider that because to your point just a second ago about the line yards, like that's the whole thing. Their offense, Swift really makes it sing, I think, if you had a quarterback that could move. 
it would sing, I think, because of all the things he can do in the pass game and everything else. But if the, the Craig Reynolds Goff had stuff, a 13-yard rush. He did. He had a 13-yard run. I'm trying not to make this into a golf bashing session here. But the Craig Reynolds stuff is a great example um, for a lot of reasons. And he's a good back, and, and they like him because he's a disciplined runner between the tackles, and he's going he's gonna to find the yards that are blocked. And this line blocks, man. They create three or four, you know, line yards, as we call them or whatever, every single time. Every single time. If you are a disciplined running back, you're going to get two and a half a carry with this group. You're not going to be shedding guys, you know, the minute you touch the ball. You're going to have room. They do all. They can block all fronts, all schemes. They've done everything all year. They're out there moving people on Sunday with a third center. With a third center, like the guy, I don't even know who the guy is. He's off the street, and they're still moving bodies all over the place. Like this has been a really good year for those guys who have really put their heads down. I think fought through some adversity, fought through some BS. You know, we talked about the Decker stuff. Fraley, you know, I think has done a terrific job this year with those guys. All of them, they've done a really good job of just kind of. They're part of the team, but I think they work almost on their own. Offensive lines always do this, but they work on their own, and their own progress, I think, is something they, they can note. You know what I mean? Like almost apart from the rest of the offense, if that makes any sense. So I really like where they're at there, long story short. And I I would I would consider thinking about something with Vitae. Not for the same price as he's at right now, but it's got yeah, I would consider something there. And I would also consider Still trying to get younger, maybe at guard, but man, you really got to like the four, four and a half maybe pieces that yeah. you have there right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend a ton of time on on Vitae, but yeah. um, you know, he's sort of at that space now. He had just a five year, five year, forty five million dollar contract, <laughs> um, but the, all the guaranteed money on it was tied to the first two years. So basically, you're at the point now where yeah. Like sixteen he, million dollars, he would like probably restructure it because he doesn't have any. I mean, they could cut him, and mm-hmm. he wouldn't get another dime. Uh, he's right, got yeah. every, you know. So I think he's at the point now where you probably could get a restructure in there somewhere. He's getting paid like a top ten guard in the league, and I don't think you need yeah, to no. do that. Like you said, he's getting tackle money. He's getting like yeah, like you don't he's need getting, to be. He doesn't need to be making ten million dollars a year, nine no. million dollars a year. So, um, no. uh, yeah, that would be an interesting one to see because I think that has. We still again, and we talked about this. We they're going to go through the season without playing a single snap with their projected starting offensive line, and, and hey, that was sort of how they were going to win games this year. Holmes says this all the time, and Campbell does too. And just trying to get good football players, right? Like Vitae is a good freaking dude who plays the game hard, who I think would qualify. And if you're if if he's on the roster and you can make it work, this is what we talked about with Patricia and Quinn. We saw so many guys that weren't perfect necessarily, but they were good. They were good football players and you just let them go for, you know, because, you know, they grew their toenails too long or something or whatever it was like. So I'm not saying (laughs) that that's the case in this situation, but as they go forward and as we watch them go forward, like, I think we're going to have to see, like, I wouldn't want to get into business of just letting good players walk off the roster, you know, like, or quality guys, you know, like. I think that's still important right now. So the you you brought up Jacobs. I think that that is that's obviously the fear right now, right? That you're gonna yeah, that something yeah. like that happens in a game that essentially doesn't really matter. I mean, 
the Broncos, I guess, are still in the playoff race and it's on the schedule and like all that you're getting paid for it and you're playing for the number one pick and all this. But right. if the Lions won that game, other than the draft order, it wouldn't have done a no. whole lot to change the tenor of this season. And now Jerry Jacobs was uh, one yeah, of the bright one. spots, like one of the best stories of this season. Mm-hmm. And he flies in trying to make a tackle and, you know, gets rolled up on his knee and blows out his MCL or ACL and whatever else happened. I'm sure that wasn't the only damage done there. Um, and now Campbell said nine months, which puts you into September next year, which means he's probably missing the entire offseason program. He's maybe starting next year on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the pup list or IR or something. So you're not going to have him. And that's on top of, we've kind of, I mean, I don't know when the last time we really talked about Jeff Okuda was, but that's on top of losing Jeff Okuda. Uh, And so now you're going into this offseason, and A.J. Parker has been banged up. I think Oruwariye is pretty clearly a guy that they like and want to keep around and and think think can help them. But you're at a spot where, I mean, Parker isn't – that that doesn't look like it's a long-term thing, so you don't worry about that one that much. But is he going to be – you're starting slot next year. Well, right. Is Okuda coming back? Answer, is, right. Yeah, right. Like, what are you doing? That's a position now where, and safety too. They really don't have anything other no. than liking Oro Warrior and Parker. They don't have anything settled in the secondary for next year. So I don't know. Is I guess that goes back to my initial question. Can you still learn anything there that you don't already know? Or not in the secondary, I don't think. Okay. So then yeah. what do you what how do you move yeah. forward there? I mean, maybe you find a corner, right? Maybe, maybe too, maybe I jump too soon. Maybe, maybe if they who knows, right? Maybe if they get a corner in here, they work a guy out and they like him or something, or something crazy. I don't I doubt it. But I you know, like that seems like a stretch. And the thing with Jacobs is really hard because Yeah. I think that you would be hard-pressed, and tell me if I'm wrong, you'd be hard-pressed, I think, to find another guy in the league that came out of nowhere to probably earn a job, probably multiple, probably for next year or two, like more than Jacobs did. I mean, he came literally out of nowhere. And it was like one day in camp, we're like, well, who the hell is this guy who just keeps making tackles, right, outside, and he just kept sort of... He played hard every day and every drill. Like, I think the first time they put pads on, he went out there and fought someone, which is like what Campbell was like joking about, right? Like, they loved him. Like, it was from minute one. They were like, you could hear people on like the first or second day of pads like, well, Jacobs is probably going to make the team because like he's fought four veterans and doesn't give a shit. And he's one of these guys that they just like and he keeps getting better. And for him to get hurt this deep into the season and for it to be that long of an injury, man, that's really hard to see because I do think that I don't know if Jerry Jacobs was going to be some like seven year answer at corner, but I think that like a culture fit, um, a guy that was familiar with what they wanted to do, a guy that was playing at the effort level that you could say you have to play as hard as he's playing, like all those things, right? Like uh, to not have him and have the juice probably that he's going to would give you in May and the off season and the, and the camp and stuff would be, that's a bummer because I think that as much as we talked about guys like that, keeping guys like that around in uh, the summer for the practice purposes of helping guys get better, like that's – if you draft a receiver and bring him in here in the spring, I would want him to work out against Jerry Jacobs because I think he – you know, it's like yeah. I want to see if he's got the guts to do what's necessary. Like that's the kind of stuff that you're you're missing when you have nine months without this guy. And I think that that's – it's really hard to see. And I think it's that's one that fans don't – 
probably notice or see all the things that go into something like that and why it probably impacts them as much as it did. Cause that's a, that's a hard loss to see. And that's why, yeah, a lot of people probably were like, Oh God, like, should we get some more people off the field here? Right. But part of that is just football, you know, part of that's just how it goes. Yeah. I mean, you're right about, I went back last night, um, just back through my notes from camp and OTAs and stuff. And I, I just to sort of save time, I usually write down player numbers and not their yeah, names as, right. as they're doing stuff. And, it was like every page, 39, mm-hmm. every made time. a tackle, 39, broke up a play, like he dropped off a guy and made an interception every single day that we were out there. And yep. you saw that continued progress. And so that is, I mean, it's a, it's a huge loss because he w- had played his way into a role, but also because he's exactly the type of guy that this team has to find. It's not yeah. all going to happen through the draft. You're not going to go out and make a bunch of trades that are going to turn this around overnight. Campbell said it from the first time I talked to him in April or whatever, yeah, May, right, March. Yeah. Like we've got to have some undrafted guys. That's yeah. why we brought in this coaching staff. We did. We're he was to it. Develop right. these undrafted yeah. guys, and you did it. You mm-hmm. get it. You got a. T- I mean, he's not an all pro, but. Yeah. As a rookie starter, the example, the example. he held up pretty damn well, and now so you too. lose him yeah. probably into next season. So, again, you're at Oro Worry. they got to get Melifanwu. I mean, he's on the COVID yeah. list now. He was hurt oh. for two months. Like, you've got to get – so we talk about the end of the year. Like, he, that's a guy yes. I need to he's see some reps yeah. from him. Like, two Big or time. three games at least. Just let's see what's there because as you start to write out this depth chart and pencil for next season – you're probably going to start the offseason with Oruwurie and Melifanu as your starting outside corners and go from there. And you have no idea what you have in Melifanu at the moment because he just hasn't been able to be on the field. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's uh, a tough yeah, spot. He's, he's one that definitely you'd like him to get healthy and not only get in the mix, but like I would like him to just play a whole game. Right, like, right. yeah. <laughs> remember what they did with uh, I remember what they did. They did it with uh, Julian Okwara, I think, in like the second preseason game. Remember this? Like Campbell gave him like eighty-seven yep. snaps, <laughs> and he was just like, "We just wanted to see what he could do." Yep. You know, this is what I. That's what I would like to see with some of those. He's the top one, probably. I can't think of another one off the top of my head that would be like I want to see. No, Barnes probably too, but like ninety snaps. <laughs> like, what are you gonna? I, I don't care if they're all bad. I want to see. 90 live snaps that you can put on tape, right? Like, or whatever it is, a full game. Yep. I want to see you hang in there the whole way, like, 100%. Like, get him off that COVID list or whatever it is and get him on the field because we did see some things from him earlier in the year where it did look like right before – they've had so many guys that this exact situation happened to. It's been ridiculous. Right as it looked like Melifon, who was starting to get it, he was lost for the season, right, with an injury. And it was just Cephas, same thing. A.J. Parker, same thing. Like, uh, So if he could get back out there and get like a, a stretch of time, I don't even care if, it gets, if it's against anybody good, but just like so you can get some film out there on him, that, that would be huge, I think, going into the offseason. Huge. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. 
If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Well, what you bring up there is sort of... Have you witnessed anything like what they're doing is happening to this uh, roster I haven't this year? no but like I was gonna, I would ask you that because you've been uh, covering no. the NFL longer than me I, I haven't this is weird <laughs> like I can't this. I mean you have teams that have uh, like the Ravens have gone through it this year too like you yeah. will have years where you just get really unlucky and you lose a bunch of guys like so yeah right, that's the exactly. team that pops into my head because I know like that's a really good football team that the Lions played and now they're down like 10 starters because they keep getting hit with injury bugs. But you're right. Like, this has been – this has just happened over and over again. Cephas – you know, Romeo Okora was playing great for like a game and a half, and then you lost him for the year. And great football, too. Ragnow, too. Yeah. I mean, Ragnow, I think, was uh, – he might have had an all – he probably would have had an all-pro case this year, the way this yep. run games worked. And he played four games, and then you lose him for the year. And, yeah, Parker is now on I mean, IR. They, lo- they lost their best offensive and defensive player it's, in the first four weeks of the season. It's been wild. And like you said, the timing on it, too, has just been like Cephas was in the midst of his best game and he got hurt. Yeah, and, right. Uh, Jacobs has been really uh-huh. playing well. And he got, yeah, Malafonu came in and the first time he got hurt was hanging in there on a Monday night against Green Bay. And then he yeah, gave up a 45 yard pass and got hurt and was out for two months. Like Jesus. it's just been. And I think it's really hard. I, I don't know. Is this. Part of it, like, does it part of set back the rebuild at all for you that they can't no, judge yes, where they're uh, at with these guys? Yes and no, I would say that because like Frank and Romeo are injuries that were like freak injuries that were like uh, they're all freak injuries, but it was like you know one of those things or two of those things that just kind of happen, and you're like, well, yeah, maybe that's just one of those things that it, you maybe you'd rather have it in a year like this than a good year where you were hoping that you'd make the playoffs. But then those things got compounded with a bunch of injuries from young guys that I almost wonder where it was like they were starting and playing guys before they were ready, and that was by design. And I did wonder, right, like if some of the injuries were happening because, you know, like A.J. Parker was a great example, I thought, all year where it was a guy that was smart. He's a smart player. Like he was only out there because he was a smart player. But like physically, he did not look like an NFL player. Like he was like smaller and a little slower, right? Like – and there were times where he'd get hit, and you're like, Jesus, like he's getting yeah. knocked around, you know? Yeah. Like, so there were a couple of those that I think we've seen this year from good young players that just physically didn't have the chance to kind of get themselves where they needed to be, and they were on their way, and then they got hurt. And I think that's just part of football. But then, like, yeah, to combine that with all the freaky things, like Cephas getting hurt at on at the end of like a 45 yard catch or whatever it was, like what? Yeah. Lost for the season at the end of a great play, you know, like this kind of shit. Like that's that was just or Frank getting hurt, like in the middle of a game with his foot, like step whatever happened there. I remember that was a freaky weird thing too. Like that that kind of Decker with his thumb, like getting ripped off or whatever it was. Yeah, right. This stuff right before the season. Yeah, you you'd like to hope that for the Lions, for a team that's worked as hard as they have and played as hard as they have, like that the football gods or whatever, if there are any, would give them something. Something on the back end here uh, because, yeah, they have had some pretty bad luck. And the only saving grace would be like, well, at least they weren't planning for a playoff push anyway, right? Like, it wasn't like they thought they would be good. So, but yeah, I don't think it's stunted the rebuild, though. It's just stunted what you, it's stunted 
maybe what you thought you were going to have in some guy. I mean, it stunted your pros your project of like finding guys yeah. out of nowhere, you know, because any guy that they, it seemed like they might've found out of nowhere that you could maybe count on later immediately got hurt. Like those were the things that, yeah. But you know, the guys you've invested big money in, I don't think it's stunted much of that. Cause I think for the most part, we kind of still know, you know, where those guys are at. I guess Okuda would be the one uh, notwithstanding there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's made it a little more difficult. Cephas, sure, yeah. For me, was the one, and we've talked about him. You and I have talked about Cephas a bunch because I think that this, the way he was playing in the role he was in, um, it's sort of been mitigated now a little bit by having Josh Reynolds in there because I think they've been using him yeah. as a number one guy, and he's got decent rapport with Goff. He's been playing all right, but losing Cephas, they didn't really have anything else to replace him with, and it's no. sort of just. I think that was part of why. You know, they were they lost Ragnow right in that stretch. Decker was out for a bit, so they were down a couple offensive linemen. But I think losing Cephas when they did was part of why the offense just went into the tank for a couple weeks because they then had to change the entire passing game, too. <laughs> they didn't oh, have yeah. anyone to play uh, that receivers. role. And right. so that one hurt. I mean, Romeo Okora and Okuda, I mean, those are those Achilles injuries. You never really know with those. I mean, I nope. would assume they come, like, especially Okora, I think, it was so can early. Come back yeah, and be right. fine, but I don't know. Is Okuda going to be even? We've talked about this a little. Is he going to be able to play cornerback anymore in his career? Or I don't know. Is he going to be a four-five-five guy now after an Achilles yeah. injury and have to play safety? So I don't know. I mean, those are tough. I mean, it just and 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 he could be a good. I don't know. And like those are all a hundred percent. And and it's like and the rehab. I guess that's the thing. Is like the rehab times. Could be something that, yes, it could stunt sort of the process here because, like, if they can't, because that's the greatest point about Okuda, it's like you want to get him back on the field to see where he's at physically, but also, like, if you do have to move him, you want to start on that process because he could be a good safety. He could. Like, it's not impossible that a guy like Jeff Okuda could transition, but you want to get going on that, you know? Like, you want to get moving and you want to see, you don't want to wait another three months into the offseason for rehab for all these guys and everything else. And like that kind of is the fear, right? Where it's like you're going to get into OTAs and be like, okay, everyone's still hurt. Like we got nothing here. This is a waste of time. Like the, they, they can't afford wastes of time. You know, I think that's probably the the long-term thing at the end of the day. But I can't think of a lot of the all the rookies I think you're still hopeful about, right? Yeah. I think for the most part, you know, St. Brown is – he's there. Yeah. He's yep. there. And, you know, like, I think that you're still, knock on wood, hoping that all those guys are progressing the way you want. So that's fine. But, you know, yeah, it, it's it's still touch and go. I think that my, our, our point from earlier in the year, like, this has to be a terrific offseason from Brad Holmes. They can't have any misses here. Like, and that includes what you do with Goff and the quarterbacks. And that's a conversation that we'll probably have <laughs> louder as it comes closer. But it has to be a really good offseason yeah. here. They can't afford mistakes. Well, that the quarterback spot is exactly one where if you had someone else there, like literally yeah. anyone else, you would say, all right, let's give him a game. I don't think they're going to do that with Tim Boyle. No, they already did that. Positive yeah. they're <laughs> not going to do it with David Blau. Right. But that's the spot where if you had some random rookie in here, like, all right, well, let's see what sure. he can do. And now you don't. So I, I, I still kind of uh, question not bringing in someone else, like literally anyone. I mean, I guess you could elevate Steven Montez from the yeah, practice right. squad, but I don't think they're going to do that. So um, I don't, just as we're talking here, something that popped into my head, if you were to pick a defensive MVP for this team right here, this year, who would it be? 
Uh, Walker? Yeah, probably Walker. Anzalone? It was probably Walker was the first one that came to my head, and then Anzalone. I guess but Walker has got five picks. Walker has been better for longer. I think Walker, Anzalone has been, like, important. Yeah. Right? Like, he's been a very important, and Walker has too. But Walker, well, I think he's been good. I just, I, I think he's been pretty consistently pretty good all year, or at least better uh, for the most part. And I guess we'll see still, you know, it's still TBD what they're going to do with him. But I still think that that's a guy that I think there's a lot to like there. You know, I mean, it's, you've surrounded him with nothing. He's got to play, you know, uh, next to a rotating door of safeties. The corners have been changing constantly. I think he's given everything he's he can give. I just, you know, it's hard to get a look on some guys like that. But he's the one that stands out to me as probably the most consistent the whole way through. Um, but Anzalone would probably be the most important, I guess, in terms of stabilizing some areas. But, yeah, I, what do you think about Walker? What do you think is going to happen here with him long term? Because, I mean, it feels like they got another one. You can't <laughs> let these guys go. These are good players, right. you know, like. I don't know. I, I feel like that's a guy that's that's worth keeping for sure. Yeah, and I know that this wasn't this regime, but you let you traded Slay, you traded mm-hmm. Diggs. Like this franchise has given away some guys who could be helping you in the secondary. Jeez, could you uh, imagine if they had Slay right now? Like even on a discount. Tough, the, right. I mean, the tough part is even like looking at what safeties are making. He's not going to get no like Harrison Smith, Justin Simmons money. He's not making fifteen, sixteen million a year, but. You go down that like Marcus Williams with the Saints, you got ten point six mm-hmm. or something. Uh, Logan Ryan and you know Jordan Poyer in Buffalo, Micah Hyde in Buffalo. Those are almost ten million a year. Like that's, it's going to be tough to get out of there without giving him. Yeah, he's going to have to get like nine million, million yeah. plus. Yeah, um, and he might want a lot more than that. He might want right, you know, up in that eleven, twelve, thirteen million dollar range. I don't know that. I don't know yeah, if you so can do that. Like John Johnson was a guy who came the Browns signed away from the Rams this past offseason. You know, everyone sort of thought, well, maybe that makes sense for the Lions. He was in LA. Um mm-hmm. and he got, he got uh, a lot. three years and almost thirty four million. Yeah. I don't think Tracy Walker is at that level yet. No, um, I don't. Of an impact guy. He hasn't forced a turnover like he doesn't have a turnover this year. Um No. I think that if you gave him like, Still, like nine yeah, it's, uh, eight? I don't know. I think I think seven or eight. But like, I agree with you that I don't think you're going to be able to get away with that. I think he's going to want more, and it's going to depend on what he wants, and it's going to depend on what he can get elsewhere, of course. And I don't think it's just a. It, it shouldn't be Diggs an automatic. Got six. Diggs got six a year. On he should get more than year he's going to want more than six. He's yeah. going to want more than six. <laughs> um, so it's going to be tricky, I think, but. But it's also like, hey, it's also one where Walker is going to have to look at this reasonably too, I think. Don't you think? Like, I think it takes two to tango in some of these situations where it's like, what realistically, like you just said, I don't think anybody's giving Tracy Walker 10 or 11 a year. They're not going to give him John Johnson money. But I mean, I think that what he's done here is he's carved out a niche here. I think he's carved out some respect here. If you, if they pay you a fair deal, what you're worth. And they want you here, and you can be part of a rebuild. Should that be worth something to you, or is it just going to be I want one, I want one million dollars more, and they're not going to give me one million, so I'm out of here. And if that's going to be what it is, then okay. But like I think that 
you're going to have to see sort of where he's at. And if he if he's like, I'm sick of this place, then I don't think I'd blame him for that either. He's been through a lot here. So I, I, I just, we'll see. We've talked about that all year where it's like, it almost felt like a no-brainer that you got to keep him. But now that it's closer and you're like, well, I guess it will depend on what he wants. And it's been that way with all these guys over the years. Like we, Galladay was the same conversation for a year and a half where it was like, yeah, you'd love to keep Kenny Galladay. He's a great young player. Like, but not for $20 million. Absolutely not. You know, like, so yeah, it's the same, you know, and not that Tracy Walker would ask for $20 million, but it's going to be whatever that, you know, range is. It's going to be the same conversation. Not for that much. You're not getting, you know, top five safety money. You're not a top five safety. I don't care if you think you are, (laughs) you know, you're not. So like that conversation is going to have to happen. And I don't know where that's all going to go, but he certainly seems like somebody worth the time, you know, to see what you can do to make it work. Yeah. I mean, I will say part of the holiday conversation it was sort of Galladay and, and Romeo Cora at the same time was that, yeah, you know, Brad Holmes got here and the cap was just it was a disaster shot yeah. to hell. Right. Like they didn't have a chance to do much. And so right. you were basically looking at that. Like you can't possibly keep both. If you're lucky, you can keep one. And they prioritized Okwara, which I think was a smart move. Yeah. We can say was the right decision, even as Okwara got hurt this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you look at next year, and they should have a lot more wiggle room. I mean, I would assume somehow, one way or another, Trey Flowers' contract is coming off the books to some right. degree. Um, you know, we talked about Vitae. Maybe you're reworking that. They don't have a lot of huge contracts other than uh, Goff, yeah. Decker. Okay, Goff. pretty big now. But Goff, yeah. I mean, Goff is a $31 million captain yeah. next year. Um, of note. Hawkinson needs to get redone. Or you need to pick up his fifth year option. Yeah. Like he, that's one that you're gonna have to get a contract on there. Walker too. Like I guess Oral Worry. Maybe you need to give a contract at some point. I mean, there's some decisions to make. But Swift, I think maybe you can, most of the time. Like I said, last year I think was sort of an extraordinary situation. But most of the time, when NFL teams need to find money for a guy that they really like. Mm-hmm. They can find money for him. <laughs> and so yeah. I think if Tracy Walker, if you need to structure it so Tracy Walker's averaging $11 million because he wants to be in that range, <laughs> you can figure out a way to do that where the cap hit next year is like six. Yeah. And <laughs> he's not actually making $44 million over four years. Uh, I think there's always ways to do this. And I agree. I mean, it would just be tough. As they talk about culture, especially to mm-hmm. lose that guy, lose a guy like that out of the locker room, because I think he's been the one who's re- one of the guys who's really stepped up in that secondary. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I just, yeah, it'd be hard to. It'd be hard and to you know just what? Let him walk. It would. It would. It would be if, and it would be an important thing to note here that like your your what you value your culture in your locker room would have to be factored into what you're paying him, because if you think that he's a top five safety in terms of like what he can do for you you know, uh, whistle to whistle is one thing. But if you think that he can give you something as a leader and whatever that's irreplaceable or not something that you're going to be easily replacing, then I think that's worth a lot for where they're at right now. Maybe more than in other years too, you know? So yeah, maybe there is something more to that. I don't know, but I definitely think it's worth the, worth the squeeze on him for sure. More than anybody. Uh, uh, Hawkinson's doesn't need to get done right away. I don't think, right? Like that's not, there's not a immediate. Uh, no, I mean, they need to pick up, they need to, well, yeah, right. If they're going to pick up the yeah. fifth year option, which I would assume yeah. you would, but, but the longer uh, term uh, process yeah, there doesn't right. have to happen right away. And the same would, 
you know, Swift's clock is not there yet or anybody else. So Walker would be the one. And or, 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 or Amani would not be as prioritized for me as Walker, I wouldn't right. think, at this point. So, yeah, he'd yeah. be the he'd be the top guy. And it's like, it's interesting. Yeah, I think I it's just a lot of things still up in the air about the cap for next year, too. Like, and I still don't think we should close the book on... Goff, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I, I, You know, like, I mean, all evidence has suggested that yeah. he's here still. Right. right. I'm not, uh, but I'm not going to rule out. I'm just, I don't think we should rule that out. I, I don't, I don't. I mean, these guys, they say a lot of stuff. They talk to us a lot. They're pretty open a lot, but they're pretty careful a lot with what they say too, I think sometimes. So I wouldn't rule out everything yet. I'd, I'd keep a lot on the table if I were mm-hmm. just guessing. I don't know. Yeah. Do you disagree with me that it's is, I, it, is it a lock lock hundred percent? I don't think it's a hundred percent lock. I think I'm closer to making it a lock than yeah, a lot so. of people, yeah. and I'm definitely closer than a lot of people would like it to be. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> that's know? probably fair. Yeah, um, I probably am too. I just yeah, I'm keeping hope <laughs> hope alive that I maybe just, there's something else yeah. on the horizon. I just don't. I don't know. I'm having a hard time. I am too. It. I am too. Uh, I, I feel like he's going to be the guy, and and maybe it'll be a, another guy that they come in and bring in a rookie, right? Like maybe yeah. they'll draft a guy, you know, like we've talked about. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But Campbell has said several times, "Hey, this is how we have to win, and next year might be the same." So like that, you know, maybe that's how it goes. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh man. So you're uh, <laughs> you're back out. Uh, you're back out at Ford Field this week. Yeah. We yeah. Got Lions the Cardinals. Cardinals. Uh, yeah. I don't uh, know. Is there like. I'm on the Cardinals beat Sunday too, a little bit here. Uh, well, the Cardinals are a playoff probably, team. That's pro- probably the way to go for this one. <laughs> uh, this like... is a weird one because the Cardinals are so weird and like, yeah, God damn it, they're so hard to defend because they do so many things that aren't translatable to any other team. So it's like I don't even know what you're getting by like judging your team against these guys. But uh, uh, I mean, I yeah, think your hope I don't is know, that man. This like is they a tough just, one. They just lost a they lost Monday hurt, Nighter yeah, to the Rams. A tough one. Yeah. They're coming in here. There's going to be like 30,000 people at this game. I mean, I think you're just hoping that they sort of sleepwalk through it for a little while. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say we've seen most weeks that Aaron Glenn's been able to figure out something for a little while. <laughs> you know, the one. Yeah. The, these the guys. Eagles, the Eagles kind of crushed them with. A quarterback who's not Kyler Murray, but gives you some similar problems right. to Kyler Murray. Uh, so and I they know. have they have the kind of smart play calling that like the 49ers had, where it was like they can hit you in so many different. Like, I just discipline can't. required here is going to be, I can't and the Ravens, you know, like the anyway. it, yeah. <laughs> it's going to have to take. Remember the Ravens game where they yeah. played damn near perfect, and they were still healthy. Like, right. They were, that they is, were still healthy. <laughs> I think that is basically what you're you're needing here. Because, like, they were very good in that Baltimore game. Like, that's the game that I think I told myself, like, put that game in your head and just crystallize it. Whatever happens the rest of the year, don't forget that one. Is like, their top potential. Like, they can, they can do this. They did that. You know what I mean? But, like, they're so far from that right now <laughs> in terms of, like, yeah. what they have that I just I, don't... Uh, yeah, I don't see it happening. I, I, but... Stranger Things, I guess we'll see. I, I can't, I can't. Yeah, I, I the mean, Cardinals are nice. hard. To I, I could see them yeah. hanging in for a half. I could see it looking like this Denver game did, but they the bigger ones probably Houston, problems. Houston, yeah. and Jacksonville also played this week. So you kind of got one eye. Yeah. Either way, you're probably getting. I mean, 
I guess it's possible they could tie. Who knows? <laughs> I don't even know if Urban Meyer is showing Would up that, this week. Oh, my uh, God. Would a tie be a, a good or a bad thing for the Lions in that scenario? A Texans-Jags tie? Uh, I think it would be bad because bad? like on strength the Lions strength of schedule is higher than both of those teams and so they would if they ended up tied that's the first thing so they would flip okay, because right, okay. the team that has the the percentages easier yeah. strength of schedule moves up to a higher pick so you want theory, one of them to the get a loss team. Yeah, so right, yeah. you want somebody to lose that yeah, game uh and one of the team that oh yeah it's the Jaguars also play the Jets next week so right so you probably want a Jags loss maybe right? you want the Jags well, hey, no problem there Whatever. because yeah. it looks like they're completely melting down. It actually look, you know what it looks like? It looks like Urban Meyer and Shad Khan are in a standoff to see yeah. who can fire who without having to pay someone a dime. That's what it looks like. I think yeah. we're one week away from Urban sitting on the field, like on the ground during a game in protest. Like that's, he looks like he's pouting and like not remembering who's playing. Like, come on. I feel like some of this is getting staged, but we'll see. That's all my Jaguars content for this week. <laughs> I have no not seen a, an NFL head coach look less interested in being an NFL head yeah, coach. Yeah, it, like it looks like he's doing it on time. purpose. <laughs> yeah. It looks like he's doing it on purpose. And I mean, Urban Meyer is Urban Meyer. I am not going to put that past him that he's doing that on purpose. Right? I'm yeah. just not. So, like, that he's doing this on purpose as some of some grand plan to try to get as much money out of this as possible and not get fired for cause. Because like that's probably what's on the table here. Friggin' Daryl Bevel's just sitting there waiting for the interim pay. <laughs> Somebody waiting did tweet at me that they were like, uh um, they felt bad for Marv and uh Agnew. And I was like, Yeah, I did too, you know, like because those are, you know, especially Marvin, he's a good guy. But then I was like, you know what? Marvin and Ag- Agnew got paid a lot of money, and so did Marvin. They paid the Jaguars paid those guys a fortune, so I don't feel too bad uh, for them. And I'm sure Bevel got paid a lot too, so they're probably doing okay. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'd be fun to see. Been through a lot he, though, those guys. Jesus. I would, yeah. Especially, like you said, especially Marv. Like for some, honestly, for some of the reasons that we talk about with Stafford, like it'd just be fun to see him on a contender again. Yeah, Marv like, needs to get the hell out of there. Games. Yeah, like, right. He would sh- He's a guy who would absolutely show yeah, up it and too. make some things yeah. happen in December if he were playing. I mean, he's still putting up numbers down there, and they're they're terrible. So Agnew's young enough; he can find time. Right, Mar- Marv's not... getting to that point. Like Marv's somebody thirty-one. Should, like yeah, we somebody should trade here. for him. Like some good team. He's got his money, right? The Jags paid him, so like he's gonna. This will happen. Someone, some good quarterback, probably Stafford. We'll get him on some kind of a yeah. yeah they'll get him on a discount deal where some other team is paying all of his salary, and he'll go there and have like ninety five catches one year, and they'll make a run. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is going to ask for yeah, right. It's going to be the Lions' worst nightmare. Marvin Jones is like the model of consistency in terms of receiver yeah. in the NFL, and, and a guy that like he's never going to get the huge huge money, but he's never going to be bad either. So yeah, you know, he needs to get out of there. Somebody needs to go save him. I would say. <laughs> Uh, all right. Last last thing I'll ask you because I saw it. Uh, I'm gonna spring one on you here. I see it yeah. going around on Twitter. Uh, someone asked, uh, "What's the best press box meal you've ever gotten?" Oh, I did see that. Actually, do you have any thoughts? On- oh, I can name I can name my worst ones pretty okay. quickly. Well, I can probably name my worst ones. The best one, and I don't even remember what it was. There were so many things at it. Um, the Jerry World one is the best one in the mm-hmm. NFL. 
that I've seen, the spread. Just every time I've seen it, it's been different food every time. They've had like roast beef and the carving station. Like you would have like at a good, like you remember like before buffets went out of style forever? Like a high dollar buffet. Like that's what, like a Vegas buffet. That's what the Jerry World one kind of felt like sometimes. And then in college, um, the Southern schools, the SEC schools always had really good food. Yeah. Alabama sure. <laughs> always had good food. The couple times that I was there, um, all the barbecue down there was always like to anywhere in Texas was always really good. But Penn State in the Big Ten has oh, the has right. the worst press box oh. by a hundred miles. But I was going to say that surprised but, me if you're going to say they were good. But they have the best food. Oh, Their right. food is outstanding. It's like a Thanksgiving meal almost every okay. time or whatever. So. That's my uh, rundown on that one, I would say. What do you got? <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear that about the Southern schools. I think the best, yeah. like, still to this day, the best meal of my life was, I was at, covering something at Georgia, and I drove oh, yeah. somewhere with someone to, like, it was like a house. There was a yeah. grandma in the back cooking <laughs> on, like, a God. stove yeah, and an right. oven. It's like, where are we? Is this even <laughs> safe to be here? And they, yeah. it was the best meal I've ever had in my life. Um, yeah. So I'm not surprised to hear that. Uh, like I said, I could pretty easily rip off worse. Like <laughs> everything, worse at, everything yeah. at Soldier Field needs to be <laughs> lit on fire forever. Uh, uh, they still have the RC Cola deal yeah, there. That's oh the only place you can get RC Cola. Uh, the Lions gave us like Chinese food last year during the preseason, like in-house meat. Oh, that's God, right. Was, yeah, that was I pretty threw bad. that thing in yeah. the garbage. Um, best. Uh, Jerry World's pretty impressive. I think that's also I'm trying to remember if it was Dallas or Houston where they roll out like. Uh, oh, I've heard about Houston. Yeah, I think Dallas. Maybe it's both of them. Roll yeah. out like the craft uh, beers at the end of the game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It might be always, Dallas. That I, I think they do that. I think in it Dallas, is yeah. Dallas. It yeah. always scores pretty high. Yeah. Uh, not surprisingly, I guess L.A. was really good this year. The oh Rams, yeah, sure. Um, I bet Vegas is good too. Uh, the Rams had, I think, Rams had a really good pregame spread, like chicken and waffles and stuff. Yeah. Like it was really good this year. Um, Minnesota's consistently good with everything. Yep, uh, I would agree with that. I've been to that building; that's very good. One more. Atlanta was... is also good. Atlanta, oh, okay. the new I haven't one. been to Atlanta yet, uh, or that new stadium yet. So. I will tell you though, my favorite ever of any sport, period, and you have to pay for it is uh, Brooklyn, uh, the um, Barclays. They have mm-hmm. a Pre, they had, when I I last time I was there it was several years ago now, but it was like a couple years after they opened it. My God, you had to pay like twenty dollars, but it was it was insane. It was I've had some good ones at the Garden too, but the Barclays pregame meal, uh, it was like, and I think they had it every game, every game <laughs> for like a while, and it was like this is insane. And so I think it was like you were getting like a seventy dollar meal basically for twenty bucks. It's pretty good. That was my all-time favorite for any Cowboys sport. Cowboys probably going to be up. The Bucks is always good too. They have one of the car- they have a really good uh, carving station too. Oh yeah, nice. Uh, so that's a that one always is a is a hit. I remember that one too because last yeah, Raymond James. Yeah, they did a pretty there, good job. Two times we were down there. Like we had the one Lions had the one one preseason game that got rain delayed. Uh, <laughs> And so I just kept going back and getting more food. But they have, so they have the carving station, and then they also have like, uh, what's the dessert? Like bananas, Foster? Oh yeah, or something mm-hmm. like that's yeah. their signature. So that that one's always up there. But yeah. Anyway, all right, that's good enough. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, so we'll yeah, like I said, we'll both be out there for Lions Cardinals this week. We'll be back next Tuesday. 
uh, I guess to wrap that one up. Yeah. <laughs> look ahead to. Uh, I mean, what? Oh, Atlanta is the next. Forgetting. Oh my God! Playing the rest of the season. Lions, Falcons. Atlanta the day after. Day after uh, Christmas. Day after Christmas. So, uh, we'll wrap up the Arizona game and maybe uh, we got the bowl games. Bowl games start right. Friday, so maybe we can get into some of those guys. Oh yeah, maybe we get some bowl watch for the, got, some Lions uh, draftables. There you go. Carson Strong's coming to play in the uh, 11 a.m. We get a Lions bowl sheet bowl. <laughs> out there for everyone. <laughs> Draftables? Uh, yeah. yeah, I like that. Uh, so we can talk about that a little bit too next week as we get back in. There we go. So uh, make sure head over to theathletic.com. If you don't have a subscription yet, you can find our show ad-free on the app. You can also get us at uh, Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, thanks for listening, rating, reviewing, subscribe it. We appreciate all of it, and we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.